Good morning. It's good to see you guys this morning. My name is Dan. I have the privilege of sharing the word with you today. Um, if you've been here for the last few weeks, you know that we've been doing a series in the book of Psalms. And so I am very excited today to give you the last of those messages. Today will be the grand finale of our series in the book of Psalms. And what better way to do that than to look at the last psalm itself. Um, you have to wonder, what is the last psalm going to say to us? I mean, we have this, the biggest book of the Bible. It's huge. And then you have a wee little bitty, like, third John. Just a chapter. Doesn't even get a chapter number. It just has verse numbers. And then you get big old psalms. What is the final closing statement of the book of Psalms? What is the final word that it gives us? So we're going to look at Psalm 150, the last book. And if you have your Bible, you can turn with me there. And, uh, Um, but if you do not, you can read with me on the screen. Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Praise him in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me pray for us as we get going here. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you now. And we want to hear from you, Lord. God, as you speak to your people, we pray that you would speak life. We pray that you would equip your saints to live lives pleasing to you. Equip your saints to go out and to be your servants, God. We pray that this message would be a message of hope, a message of truth. God, I pray that you would speak to every person in this room today about what you want to say to us through Psalm 150. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see here the call to praise the Lord. And that's the final statement of Psalm, of the book of Psalms. Psalm 150 is calling us to praise the Lord. But it's not just the last Psalm that says this. The last five Psalms are also known as the Hallelujah Psalms. Because each of them start and end with the word Hallelujah. Translated here as praise the Lord. But in the Hebrew you get Hallelujah in the beginning of 146, 47, 48, 49, and 50. And hallelujah at the end of every chapter. And truth be told, the fact that the Bible commands us to do it, it should be enough, shouldn't it? I mean, the Bible calls us to worship God and calls us to praise, and it should be enough for us to just do that. But the fact of the matter is that we don't really do that. We could give a list of reasons. I think sometimes, in a subtle way, it's our pride. In our heads, you know, if I skip church for a Sunday, if I don't sing a song, it's not a big deal. Like, I know God calls me to it. And, I mean, he put a whole, like, five chapters of Psalms just saying to do that. But it must not be too big of a deal. Like, I get by not fully engaging in in my praise at church. 
so it must be okay. Or maybe we're just tired and I don't feel like it. But nonetheless, we see in the final chapter a call to praise God. And I wish that I could end my message here and we could go home and say, yes, let's praise God, but we don't do that. So what we're going to do is look at it more closely and, un- and see that when we don't, it's, we rob God of his glory. We cheat God of his glory because we're not praising him. But in addition to that, we cheat ourselves. And we'll see how we do that. So let's go back to verse 1. It says, praise the Lord. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. And we'll pause there because already from that first verse, we're seeing something pretty amazing happen. Like I said, the five chapters are speaking about praise, the last five chapters. And so this last one, 150, is actually kind of summarizing what he's already been saying. Because if we look at Psalm 148, he says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him all his angels. Praise him all his hosts. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. So he's already talking about the heavens. But we see in 149 here, it says, Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly, his church. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. So he's already told heaven to rejoice. He's already told earth and God's people to praise God. And we see in Psalm 150 again, it says, praise him in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. And the amazing thing happening here is that the call for God's people to praise, and then on top of that, the call for heaven to praise. He's inviting God's people to worship, and right on top of that is heaven in worship. So what you get is God's people, and at the same time, the invitation for heaven, and you get a mingling between the heavenly and the earthly in our worship as he calls all of creation to worship together. We're not just worshiping with each other in this building here. There's a mingling with heaven in our worship. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I know that there are people in here who have. You get caught up in a moment, a time of worship where you just feel like, I swear this is heaven. And it's, it's a glimpse. Earlier this year, I had the chance to be at Passion, which is really a college thing, but there's ways to go if you're not a college student. Anyway, I had a chance to go, and I had one of those moments there, which they don't come every time. And even for me as a worship leader, it's not every time that it feels like heaven But in that moment, as I was surrendering, not just the words I was saying, but my lips were worshiping God. My body, my hands were lifted up in worshiping God. From the bottom of my soul, I was confessing the very words I was singing. And in that moment, I just felt like I could do this forever, for an eternity. It was the experience of heaven mingling in our worship. We read in the Bible that there are creatures in heaven whose sole purpose is going to be to worship God, and we think, that's a lousy job. I mean, I know you're in heaven, but... But in that moment, I kind of understood, that's not so bad. And in light of when we get to heaven, 
the fact that God's glory is amplified and therefore my experience of worship must be amplified to the infinite 10th power, <laughs> I can only imagine what this earthly experience of I could worship forever might feel like in heaven. And so even from the first verse, we see something amazing. Heaven mingling with the worship of God's people. And we'll read on. Verse 2. It says, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. And this again, he's already saying what he said before in the previous couple chapters. Because we see in Psalm 146 and 147, he says, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, his God, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure and he restates that in psalm 150 and says praise him for his mighty deeds praise him according to his excellent greatness and i say again i wish i could just end here i wish we weren't so lazy or so arrogant in our thinking or so complacent that i could just say you know what god is calling us to praise isn't that enough Isn't the fact that he is worthy enough? Isn't it amazing that we get to mix with heaven? Isn't that enough? But I can give you more. Come on, we're going to preach on. Verse 3, and we begin to see a crescendo in the worship that's happening here. Praise him. with the trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. And it climaxes to let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so what we've seen here, he says praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in the heavens. He lays out, where should God's praise happen? Everywhere his glory is. Why should it happen? For his greatness For his excellence? How should, with what should it happen? He just lists off every instrument he can name on the top of his head in a short sentence. He's just saying, bring everything you have to worship God. With what? And who? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now if you look at this entire chapter that essentially One verb. One verb. Praise. Praise the Lord. Praise Him. Praise God. And like I said, every psalm for the last five, they start with hallelujah and it ends with hallelujah. So praise the Lord is a translation of the word hallelujah. So what we're going to do next is we're going to unpack that word. Because if it's the only verb in this chapter... essentially the only verb, then it must mean a lot. Essentially, the the entire book of Psalms is ending on one verb, one command to God's people. So we should understand it as best as we can, okay? So here we go. The word hallelujah. 
The origin of the word is halal. Nothing to do with halal cards. I, I don't think there's any relation. I have no idea. But the origin of the word is the word halal. And that word in its essence, in its simplest form, means to boast. Now, in English, when you change a verb, you can do some things, change it to an adjective, you change run into running, you can use it as the running man. You change it to adjective. But usually when you change a verb, you change the time reference of it, right? Usually when you change a verb, that's what you do. You change run into ran, running. He ran, he will run, he is running. And if you're really bad, you turn it into run. But usually you just change the time frame of the verb. But in Hebrew, you can actually change, by changing the form of the verb, you can change the intensity of the verb. Right? So in English, usually it's two different words. You turn run into sprint. You say throw or you say heave. You say break, you say bash, you say hit, clobber, two <laughs> different words. <laughs> um, but that's what it's done. And in Hebrew, you can change the form of the verb to change the intensity. And so that's how we translate it into praise instead of boast, right? And another thing you do in English, when you say a command, you just say the word, right? Stop. Run. You just say the verb and then it's commanding. You don't change the verb in order to do it. You keep it at its simplest form and you command people to do it. Right? Sit. Roll over. Play. I don't know. I've had a dog for a long time. But you just command the word, the simplest form. In Hebrew, you change the word. You change the word and you, that shows that it's an imperative, that it's a command. Okay? So you start with the word halal, and you change it to hale, and you change it to halelu, so you change it twice, and then you get those two changes. You change it into an intense form, and you change it into an imperative, and you say hallelujah for Yahweh, and you add the direct object on there, praise the Lord. Now in this you see, you don't just see praise the Lord, but you see praise God. So all that's done is you change the direct object to hallelujah. Elohim, El is often used for God in the Bible as well. And then for him, you just use that pronoun word and you say, hallelujah, who? And it just adds that direct object on there. But the word we usually know and we usually hear is hallelujah. Okay, so now we understand how that word is formed. Now here's what that tells us. Psalm 150 is not a suggestion. It's not saying as God's people you come on a Sunday, and you might want to praise God. As urgent as it is when I say stop, and as urgent as it is when we say run, the final statements of Psalms, the entire book, is praise the Lord. It's not a command. I mean, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. Don't just do it if you feel like it. Don't just do it if people around you are doing it, if the music sounds good. If the song is in the right key or if a song you like, don't just listen to the word if you're not feeling tired. And it's a command. You, we come to church and we are commanded to praise the Lord. But not just the English understanding of praise the Lord because that's 
kind of shallow. It can be watered down. I say, good job, and that's praise. That's giving someone praise. Well done. That's praise. But when we understand hallelujah, we're understanding that it's not just a casual thing. It's not just something that we come and do apathetically, that we can think about a million other things. I have not much. I wonder what I'm going to eat for lunch today. So offer you. Oh, he's really late. Not near. It's not something that we just do casually, but by definition of the word hallelujah, it's done with a certain intensity, a fervor, a passion that requires our entire thought process that calls for our bodies, that calls for our hearts and souls to engage in worship. And this is the command. Hallelujah. Not just a shallow praise of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God with everything that you have. With everything you have. Let everything that breathes, all creation in heaven and on earth, hallelujah. And that's the word hallelujah, and that's the final command of the book of Psalms. But again, we don't do that. And I wish, again, I could just end it there. But I did say that we don't only rob God, we don't only cheat God of his glory, we cheat ourselves. And how do we do that? Well, let me ask you, what is your understanding of this time of worship? What does it do? What is it? Is it just coming and singing a few songs and, and listening to some feel-good words? Is it nap time? Is it socialized time? What is it? Because a lot of us has come, a lot of us have come to church with just a really shallow view of what this is. And the first five, ten minutes are just a buffer for me to be a little bit late. The last couple songs are a chance for me to leave. But what is this time for you? We're going to look a little bit into Psalm 42. And we hit this psalm in this series, but I want to look at a part of it to show what corporate worship means for this psalmist. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now you gotta understand that he's saying this because not, not just longing, but he's been feeling parched and dry. He has not been drinking of the Lord in his immediate life experience. And so we read on. My tears have been my food day and night. Have you ever been in that kind of place where you literally just feel like you're crying all the time? And then you get busy with something, you have to do some work, and so you're a little distracted, and it's not fun work, and you still have things in your mind, but as soon as you come back to just a moment of silence or a moment to breathe, you just cry. The more life experience you have, the more probability that you've been in that place. For some people, even at a young age, you've already been there. And for others, because you're young, you haven't had a chance to be there yet. But have you ever been in that place where 
this psalmist is in that place where his tears have been his food day and night. And not only that, that's enough to turn a lot of churchgoers into non-churchgoers and away from God. But on top of that, he has people taunting him. Where is your God? You're a Christian. Where's your God? You say he's this great almighty God, but I don't see him, and I think you don't see him either. His experience is intensified by the taunting of people. And then what happens? Verse 4, verse 5. It says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. What happens here? In his time of despair, in his time of incredible anguish, he remembers corporate worship. He remembers his time of corporate worship. And what does this do for him? He goes on to say, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He remembers his corporate worship, and that becomes his strength. To call himself to hope in God, and not to suggest, therefore I think I should try to praise God. He says, I shall again praise him my salvation and my God. It's his strength to endure through his anguish, through his tears. And he's not remembering just this moment of, oh yeah, I enjoyed that one song. That was a pretty good song. He's remembering as he encountered with his soul in worship and his heaven and the saints mixed in with his soul and this truth was interacting with his entire being, building his core. And in his moment of struggle, it carries him on to continue in his worship. What is this corporate worship for you? For him, it was his strength. It wasn't small. It wasn't, oh yeah, I could skip a day. It was massive for him. In his time of anguish, that's what he remembers. But for some of us, we don't have this because we've, we've never really worshipped God in our corporate worship. It's just been, oh, I think I should come to church. But we don't just rob God of his glory. We don't praise and follow his commands and in our arrogance think it's not a big deal. We rob ourselves. Even Jesus Christ found his hope in corporate worship. When Jesus was on the cross and he was bearing all of our sin, not just one person, it's one thing if you die for your sins, but he bore all of our sins, the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders to bear the suffering for that, to endure hell for the punishment of others. When he was going through his 
most disturbing time, his hardest struggle, what did he do? What did he say? What did he remember? Do you remember what he said? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where is that from? Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Psalms, the Psalm, the word Psalms comes from the Greek word psalmos, which means songs. In the Greek Bible is called songs. It's a book of songs, of poems. In Hebrew, it's called, the book is called mismos, praises translated. This is their hymnal. The book of Psalms is the church's hymnal. It's the songs that they sing when they're together. It's the poems that they say together in corporate worship. And Jesus, on his moments of trial, he remembers his corporate worship. He recites it. You might think, that's kind of a sad one to recite. My God, why have you forsaken me? I don't see, it doesn't sound very hopeful. But he's not just remembering this first line of Psalm 22. This is a hopeful psalm. It goes on to say, God, do not be far from me. You've saved me from the dog's mouth. You've saved me from the sword, from the lion. And you will save me from the horns of the oxen. This is a hopeful message. It's kind of like us in our moment of trial. If we were to say, this is my song in the desert. This is my song in the desert. And yes, that is to confess, I feel like I'm in the desert place. I feel like I'm dry and I feel parched and I feel like I'm alone and deserted. But we don't just remember that part of the song. If we remember our corporate worship, we remember in all of my life and in every season, you are still God and I have a reason to sing. I will bring praise, I will bring praise. No weapon formed against me shall remain. I will bring praise, I will bring praise. God is my victory and he is here. What is corporate worship for you? For this psalmist, for Jesus, it was his strength. What else did Jesus say on the cross? He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. What is that? Where is that from? I've heard that. That's Psalm 31. Into your hands I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Don't underestimate what happens in this room. It's not light and casual. It's bigger. Heaven is interacting with your soul, equipping the saints to endure all things. People pass from death to life in this room. We have strength for tomorrow, for the week. Ten years down the line, we'll think, I remember my corporate worship. We're equipping ourselves for the future. This is no shallow thing. So Psalm 150, the final imperative of the book of Psalms is praise the Lord. And so Cornerstone, I charge you, I beg and I urge, and the Lord commands it. Praise the Lord. Not just shallow praise, but hallelujah with everything we have. Don't rob God 
Don't rob yourself of what this truly is. To close, I'm going to just read through just the different parts of Psalm, the last five that we've hit. And instead of praise the Lord, I'll say hallelujah, but we'll just read through all the way to the end of Psalm 150. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him all his angels. Praise him all his hosts. Let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created. Hallelujah. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Hallelujah. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me pray for us. God would come before you as your church. And for many of us, we ask that you would forgive us for not being obedient to what you have called and commanded us to do as your people, as Christians. God, we pray that you would turn our hearts to praise you with a hallelujah praise. To praise the Lord from our souls, from the bottom of our hearts, not just with our lips, with our bodies, our hands, our innermost being, to praise you, Lord. God, would you grace us with your presence in our worship, that the heavenly realms would enter into our worship. God, we ask that you would equip our souls that even in our trials, we will be able to lift up a mighty song of praise to our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.